Broadcasting from the 10 Hudson Square building, home of WNYC Radio in Soho, New York, welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies. My guest today is Kevin Tai. Kevin is co-founder and CEO of Coastal Company. Coastal Company is a seasonal subscription service based in Orange County, California. It curates and delivers premium beach-inspired apparel, accessories, and lifestyle products from hand-picked brands around the world. Kevin, welcome to Brand on Purpose. Aaron, thanks for the intro. Thanks for having me. And uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. I guess we might need to hire you to do some PR. <laughs> it's easy. I can read. So that's the start. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Coastal Company. I know that you relocated. You're originally a Washington, D.C. guy or outside of Washington. And now you're living this incredible surfer, paddleboarder, canoeer kind of life in Southern California, which is kind of a dream of mine that'll be in my next life, I think, once my kids are off to school. And I should also mention that you've got marketing and PR in your background as well, which obviously I have a lot of affection for. Tell us a little bit about your journey, how you started, one, why you moved, and two, how you started Coastal Company. Yeah, so going way back, as you mentioned, I grew up on the East Coast, uh, specifically the Washington, D.C. area, which all of you guys are thinking right now that's not really close to any bodies of water except the Potomac River, so not much surfing is done there. But on our summers, we would go down to Florida, and that's where I fell in love with surfing when I was nine years old and was essentially obsessed all summer. I was in the water when we'd go home uh, for the school year. I was just constantly reading every surf magazine I could, checking the surf online, maybe cutting out of school when I could drive if there were waves and driving three hours to the beach. So I was just fully obsessed. So the the only logical move for me was as soon as I turned 18 and graduated high school was to head out west. So I, I moved out to L.A. where I went to USC, and that's where I guess I got my start in the entrepreneurial world. Well, in school, I started a very small boutique company where I was negotiating deals for the, I guess, event promoters and planners in the LA area and emerging liquor brands and energy drink companies. And kind of by mistake, I started a little business. We were, I was actually making a little bit of money when I was a sophomore, junior in college and having a lot of fun while doing it. And that kind of led me to start my first venture in the tech world and also led me down to starting a small boutique digital marketing and PR agency. So it's been quite a journey that's kind of led to Coastal Co. and where I am now. So this whole like love for the water, and it really didn't start with the Potomac. It's just in your bones, right? It's just something that you're just attracted to from when you're very young. And that whole lifestyle, really. It's really the lifestyle. Yeah. Sitting on the beach in the summer and seeing all the big kids out in the water surfing. And I was just, I had to be out there. Uh, so I think my parents have some pictures of me when I was three years old, standing on a boogie board, just on the sand where it was slightly wet. And I guess that was my first foray into the surfing world. But eventually when I was nine, I actually started surfing. And then just the lifestyle itself caught me. There's something about being around the water that relaxes you. And for me, it also makes me focused. So it's, you know, it's relaxing, but I also feel I'm most at ease. And that's where I make my best decisions and where my mind is mostly is most clear. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, being in the water, I know you didn't ask, but I'll tell you anyway. It's like zen. It's like meditative. So I'm a surface swimmer, but I mean, swimming saved my life. I was asthmatic as a kid and it wasn't until I learned how to swim late, which is like at 11, that mm -hmm. fundamentally changed my life. My lungs grew. 
I didn't, but my lungs did. <laughs> and uh, I was able to overcome so many things. And he mentioned the Potomac though. So the worst swim I ever had in my life was in the Potomac. I did a triathlon in DC. You know, it was only a one mile swim in the Potomac or roughly a mile. It tasted mm-hmm. like roadkill. It was like, I was just going like, to ask yeah, you that. It, it, was, it, was gross. <laughs> it was like my fastest swim ever because it was so disgusting. I don't even know what roadkill tastes like, but I imagine just the way the water tasted and smelled that that was roadkill basically. So anyway, I digress. So Coastal Company, you found it almost four years ago, right? So you're like three and a half years in? Yes, correct. I know that there's no such thing as an aha moment. I talked to so many entrepreneurs. I'm a mini entrepreneur myself. It's rare that there's an aha moment. These are things that build over time. This is things when you're putting your head in the pillow at night or you're surfing or out there in the water. This is probably where you do your best thinking. What was the moment where you're like, you know what? I'm going to start this. I'm going to do this. And this is going to be my next adventure. Yeah, that's a great question. There's a little bit of backstory behind it. So the guy who actually taught me to surf when I was nine was the owner of a local surf shop. And I kind of idolized him and thought he was so cool and he was a great surfer. And I, I loved the business he was running. My dad was an entrepreneur. So I think since I can remember, I wanted to own my own business. So when I was nine years old, I decided I wanted to own a surf shop and I got older as I progressed through college and I got to learn about business. I learned that and saw the trends in retail changing. I learned that owning a surf shop was probably not going to be the business I wanted to get into. So um, in the back of my mind, I'd always wanted to start a business that related to kind of the surf and ocean lifestyle, but I didn't really know what that was. So I, I went on my entrepreneurial journey and kind of just put that in the back of my mind. Fast forward five, six years later, I had gone through a rough streak. One of my ventures I had was just wasn't working out. It was going under. And at the same time, I had a long-term relationship that was going under and a number of other just pretty crappy things happened all at once. So during that time, I had really stopped surfing, stopped paddling, just basically stopped going to the beach. I was so just, my mind was entrenched with all the issues that were going on and trying to solve them. And then finally, I kind of, I took a step back and was like, I don't like where my mind's at. I don't like where my body's at because I'm not being active. And I decided to go on a trip to the big island of Hawaii to unplug for about a week. While I was there, I was able to reconnect with the water through stand-up paddleboarding. There weren't a lot of waves at that time, so I did a little bit of surfing, but it was just great to be around the ocean, the beach, and just in the water again. And it just kind of brought me back to where I needed to be. And I decided when I got back that I'd wound down the other company. I was like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I don't care about going out and raising VC money or starting the next billion dollar venture. I'm just going to do something that makes me happy and, and caters towards my passionate lifestyle. And, you know, we'll see where that goes. So I got back and immediately started vetting ideas for bringing it, launching a business in the surf space. I remembered about two years earlier, I was in a meeting with a potential investor for the company I was at at the time. And in the back room, there's all this noise. I was in his office of this building, you know, and there's all this noise coming from the back room. And he saw me looking and he's like, oh, that's my latest investment. You want to go see it? So we walked into the back room, opened the door. There's music blaring and a bunch of task rabbits had been hired for the day to pack boxes. And it turns out that company was Loot Crate, which is one of the leading companies in the subscription industry. They do the subscription box for the, they call the, it's like the Comic-Con crowd, but they say the geeks and the gamers. Yep. And that was back in their very, very early days where, you know, they were small enough. They didn't have their own warehouse. They were, they were hiring TaskRabbit back when TaskRabbit was still around <laughs> to pack mm-hmm. their boxes. So 
I saw that. I thought it was really interesting. I looked into the business model and, you know, I was very intrigued by the subscription model. And I also saw how well it worked. Lucre is an example when you apply it to a really passionate kind of niche or lifestyle. So that was kind of my aha moment was, has anyone applied this to surf and the coastal lifestyle? Not only that, just any of these action sports or, or other lifestyle niches and they hadn't. So I saw a really big opportunity. So what I did is create a business plan for it. And my, some of my background is in influencer marketing. So I decided, let me take this to a couple of pro surfers I have in my network. Let me see if anyone wants to partner up. And if so, I think it's a good sign that we can go ahead and launch this without necessarily having to put a lot of capital into it to at least, you know, do the MVP, test it and see how it goes. So Brought it to a few guys. They were all interested. And I ended up partnering with my co-founder named Mark Healy. He's a big wave surfer and world-renowned beer fisherman. Uh, he lives on the North Shore of Oahu. Just kind of a really good guy and just an all-around madman when it comes to water sports. Yeah, uh, sounds like a badass, right? He's like spear, yeah, spear yeah fisherman. exactly. So it, uh, when I'm in the office, at least he's out there being a badass. So right. I can uh, <laughs> got to live vicariously through him sometimes. <laughs> That's where the aha moment came from. And we we started working on the concept and another few years and, and we got to where we are now. Walk me through the product. So it's a subscription service. It's kind of like wrong example, but it's Birchbox, BarkBox, but before that, but for people who are active in kind of the surf and water sport community, and are you curating products and putting them in a box and then sending them to them? Is that basically the idea or am I totally botching that? Yeah, you're pretty spot on. Currently, we use a traditional subscription box model. I guess we call it the surprise and delight box mm -hmm. that you'll see. So you'll see companies like the ones you just mentioned, as well as FabFitFun is another one of the unicorns in the subscription box industry that do it really well. In subscription, you'll also see the other model, you know, prominent model would be in clothing, which is what Stitcher. Stitch Fix does, the yeah. try before you buy. Stitch Fix, right. Uh, Sorry. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we're more in the surprise and delight <laughs> model where... They go to our website, they sign up, they fill out a little survey so we can get some information about their preferences. And then every season, so once every three months, they get a box curated full of beach-inspired apparel, accessories for the women, beauty product, lifestyle items, jewelry, things like that. Men's a little bit more clothing-focused. We have one main price point right now is uh, $99. There's usually about 220 or more worth of value inside that box and what the members really love is obviously it's convenient delivered to their door but they're getting access to brands and products that they normally wouldn't be able to especially if they don't live near the coast and they love the lifestyle kind of like me when i was younger when i would spend my summers you know by the beach and then i would be three hours away back in dc and you know we kind of deliver that lifestyle to their doorstep and then of course you're getting great savings on it so that's pretty exciting for them as well Right. And on the flip side, for the brands we work with, it's a great marketing platform. They're actually able to move product and make money while putting their hands into the products of tens of thousands of targeted customers. Right. So it's good for both established and new brands that you're partnering with. It's good because you're giving consumers access to brands they might not have. And you're also curating it in a way that's kind of fun and exciting. They don't know what's coming next. But I think the thing that's the coolest part that we're going to get to is the whole purpose behind this podcast is that there's a give back to this. There's a social cause component to all this that I'm sure also is super appealing to the consumers that are subscribing to your service, right? Yep. hundred percent. So we partnered with a nonprofit here in LA called Heal the Bay. 
and they focus on protecting our oceans and beaches, mainly focused in the Los Angeles and Southern California area. What we do is we take a portion of proceeds from each box and we fund their beach cleanups every month. So we do that in the LA area. And a lot of the times our team is able to go down and participate in those beach cleanups, which is my favorite part. Right. And what came first, the product or the purpose, or were they kind of like melding together in your head at the same time? I knew we wanted to have a social good component, what that was going to be. I knew that probably have to evolve over time. So we created the product and we knew we were going to give a percentage back or create some sort of partnership with different nonprofits. When we first launched in our testing period, we worked with a number of different nonprofits where we would have a specific box be catered around that nonprofit. So we took a well-known cinematographer from Discovery Channel, Andy Casagrande, Mm. and we did essentially a shark-themed box, and we had a portion of proceeds go to Shark Angels. So that was one example of a kind of a cool activation that we did. So we did that and worked with a number of different nonprofits while we were testing things out. And, And then when we decided in the long run, we wanted to find one that we could really connect with and be a long-term partner so we could really understand how their nonprofit works, maybe what their needs are beyond capital and where we can lend a hand. And also something that was really important was I wanted myself and my team to be able to get our hands dirty. You know, there were a number of great nonprofits that we worked with, but for Shark Angels, for example, awesome organization. I have gone diving with sharks before, but it's not something I'm actively doing. But, you know, we can all get the team together and in a safe way, go do a beach cleanup and you know, kind of live that lifestyle and actually really make integrate not only the mission into our company, but into our daily lives. I'm all for kind of peaceful coexistence with large dorsal fin animals in the water. It just right. I mean, swimming <laughs> with sharks is just not on my uh, not on my <laughs> list of things I want to do. In fact, they they say I don't know if you heard this story. They say that they might have found a 10 foot great white in the Long Island Sound a couple of weeks ago named Cabot. I guess he breached the water and is little satellite thing pinged and they're like oh my god he's in long island sound in todd's oh, wow. in greenwich and it's not like, surprised right. it's kind of sharky up there uh, up north. i guess i mean i swim in the sound all the time in fact i'm swimming across the sound for a, a cancer charity at the end of july from uh glen cove to mamaronek i mean that's terrifying but i do know that great whites because they tell me this like to vacation in maine they summer in maine because the water is colder so i believe that he's <laughs> up there now with all his friends and uh-huh. i should be clear in a few months when i get back in the water but yeah, it's, Fingers it's, crossed, right? yeah, it's terrifying, but I do believe that we should all coexist and it's all good. So I have a totally unsolicited idea for you. Maybe how big is the box? I mean, obviously I'm not a subscriber, but maybe I will be after we speak. How big is the box that you actually send to people? It was 15 by 10 by four. Okay. And then people will probably recycle the box after they uh, take all the stuff out of it and they're happy and they're putting their stuff on and whatever. They better be recycling it. Yes. Right. What if you encourage people to fill that box up with food and then drop that box off at a local food pantry. Wouldn't that be cool? I love it. That would be great. Totally unsolicited, silly idea, but kind of dawned on me. I'm like, that's a great kind of reuse. And also it's a double give back, right? Yeah. We were talking about maybe doing a campaign where we wanted to uh, have them go out and go to their local beach or if they don't live by beach, just anywhere and fill it with trash from the ground and then take a picture and post online. And then we were kind of like, oh, you're going to see a bunch of pictures of our box filled with trash and that's probably not a good look, but I I like your idea. Yeah. I mean, you know, hunger is still kind of an issue obviously and sadly, and maybe it's another way to kind of reuse it and just kind of test it out and see how it goes. Even if 
even if just a few people do it, it's a few more than that people go Better less than hungry none. than yeah. nothing, right? So you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So no, I love it. I'm actually, I will bring that up to the team in tomorrow's meeting. Cool. And then I imagine that you're appropriately collecting data, right? Because you're getting feedback from consumers. Is there anything mm-hmm. that you've kind of gotten by way of feedback, whether it's related to the purpose or the mission or just products or just how you're doing that was totally unexpected and surprising and how you use that feedback to make the company and the offer even better? We receive a lot of feedback relating to the purpose on social, which is really interesting to see people commenting there. They like to get involved and either be supportive or put their suggestions on certain products if they don't think it's quote unquote sustainable, which not all the products we put in the boxes are sustainable. I wish they were, but that's not something at this stage. Well, we need more products uh, to be developed to be right. It's hard. Yeah. There's not enough out there. Yeah, exactly. But people love to get involved on social there. We, you know, we haven't collected a ton of data or input from the members on the typical surveys that we do based around our mission. It's actually probably something that we should learn more about how we can get them involved because as the plus and minus of working with a local organization is we are doing the local beach cleanups, but 99% of our members probably don't live in LA. So they can't necessarily get involved that way, but we need to figure out ways we can get them involved outside, you know, if they're not in the immediate area. And that's something that we're really putting an effort on right now and seeing if they can get involved with our organization, Heal the Bay that we're working with, or or maybe helping them find local ones near their cities that they can work with. Did you have to raise money or is this all done out of your own back pocket and you and your partner? I funded it initially and then we have raised, actually our first investor was one of our members. He joined in the second month that we launched our men's box and became our first outside investor, which is awesome. He's been one of our most supportive investors since. And then in 2017, let's see, spring, we went through the Blue Startups Accelerator Program, which is based in Honolulu. So I got to go live in Waikiki for three months while I worked on the company out there, which was <laughs> sounds Sounds rough. Yeah, really rough. Yeah, <laughs> tough, tough startup life. So that was an amazing experience. It was great for our brand, the company. They're actually uh, Blue Startups. One of their uh, partner companies called Blue Planet is doing some really cool things to reduce the use of fossil fuels in Hawaii. It's pretty amazing, some of the impact they've made. But yeah, we raised a little bit of capital from them, and we raised a little bit of capital from the Hawaii Angels out there. But overall, we're just angel-funded. We haven't raised a lot of capital to date. Our kind of our goal is not over overcapitalize the company. Our goal is to actually focus on unit economics from a more early stage. I think some of the issues you've seen especially in the subscription box model is companies when it first came out it was really hot amongst VCs and they raised a lot of capital, grew really fast and built their infrastructure on a house of cards, worried about the unit economics later. And a lot of them weren't able to essentially get to that profitability point down the line, or they weren't able to get the exits that their investors needed to really be happy. So we took a different approach and decided, you know, we, we raised just enough. We've been really smart with our money utilize some unique forms of debt as well. And we're actually profitable. How are you deciding how to curate? I imagine that you have a hand in this. I mean, there's a fair amount of discovery and poking around the marketplace and talking to people. And that's probably the most exciting part, quite frankly, right? Is just putting together these boxes and seeing how they stick and getting the feedback. 
it's scary and also really exciting in the same way as it's surprising and delighting to open the box itself. So what's the process for that? Because that's a creative, yeah, you know, that's that's a creative it's process. It's extremely right? fun, but also yeah. that's the most nerve-wracking part. So we just launched, yeah. we just started shipping our summer boxes last Friday. So they're just starting to trickle in. So we'll get the first wave of feedback very soon. You know, from our experience, we think it's a really solid box. But you always are kind of on, you know, I guess not sleeping as well during that week when that first big batch goes out and you're waiting, you're waiting to get your initial feedback. But with the women's box, especially women's is majority of our business right now. Our head buyer has been in the industry for over 10 years and she really looks for trends and kind of analyzes what our, especially knowing who our customer is and what they might want as well as sizing and fit is really important. So you really have to understand your customer and figure out the products that and the trends that are going to relate to them. And I also do, I love finding the smaller emerging brands to work with. So that's actually over in Hawaii. We're doing some work with a CPG accelerator called Mana Up out there and they accelerate Hawaiian based consumer brands and they have some really cool companies that are coming out of there. So that's something we love to do is find brands like that and put them in the box and bring them over to the mainland and beyond. So I love that part. I love going around and trying to find these really unique brands and products. And my co-founder, Mark, since he's traveled the world 10 times over for surfing, also has encountered a ton of good brands and products along the way. So we've done stuff where we work with a really cool surf shop in Bali called Drifter is one example, or we've done some stuff with some surf shops in France and stuff like that's really fun because you're giving some people stuff that's really different and you know, they're going to love it. As an entrepreneur myself, I get how much time you have to put into this and it's never ending. It's 24 seven and you're doing the day job. You're doing the job itself. And you're also thinking about what's next because it's highly competitive, right? And things go wrong. Like anybody can appreciate those things. How do you find time for yourself? And then I assume that what you're doing in your downtime, the little downtime you have is you're out in the water, right? Not as much as I'd like to be, <laughs> unfortunately. It's the irony but, um, it, right? I do get in the water and if I have months that are really busy, which right now things are really, really busy, but I'll usually at least once a quarter, make sure I go out to Hawaii and get some time where I'll work out of there, work remotely and work with my partners there. And I'll make sure I get time to surf, especially with the time change. You know, it's the West Coast is winding down by two o'clock California time. So that's great. But part of it's just building the team and building processes. So, you know, we've I've made some key hires along the way that have been you know essential to our growth. And we just made a new one. We had a, a new COO started two days ago. So nice. that part is he's going to be alleviating a lot of my day to day tasks on the operational side, which will allow me focused on big picture tasks and more creative things and, and as well as stuff like fundraising and, and other part of the finances. So. Once he's onboarded, that'll probably take about 15 hours a week off my plate, maybe more. So that's just been the key is kind of just growing step by step, bringing on those team members when we need it. And if my goal is some weeks you're doing 60 hour plus weeks, but I try to limit that. And if you are, something's wrong. You know, you either have to restructure your processes or you need more team members. Obviously, you don't want to throw people at problems, but you have to analyze is this a process problem or a people problem? So we've been, you know, building our team strategically so we don't go crazy with overhead, but so it's been pretty good. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm working my butt off as well as the rest of my team members are, but I don't think it's anywhere where we're too stressed. We're, we're having a lot of fun while we're working hard and just tackling the problems. So it's 2022. Where are you now? I'm on a beach in Hawaii with a Mai Tai in my hand. Nice. Um, <laughs> I wish our big vision for our company is to, 
not only own the coastal space, but to we're actually building a portfolio of brands that cater to the lifestyles that people live for. So that's a big mission and there's a lot of work behind that. So we are launching, we're right now we're working on scaling our current brands, which are our men's and women's brands that are in the coastal space. We will be launching a kids brand later for the holidays this year is kind of our current timeline. Mm-hmm. And we have a couple other brand extensions that are planned for 2020 and 2021. We're really heavily focused on building infrastructure right now that'll let us scale. So we right now we're up 400% from last year. So we're growing really fast and we're looking for another 300% growth this year. So when you do that, you need to really make sure your infrastructure is growing with it or the wheels will come off. So we're heavily focused on that. And the goal is to kind of build this house of brands. And in 2022, I, this is going to be a publicly traded company. That's not the plan, but to build out a really, really great company that, you know, one of the awards I would love to win is best place to work. And we actually just signed a lease in San Diego. So we're moving down there, but I would love it to be known as one of the best places to work in San Diego. I want us to be heavily involved in the community. I want us to have our portfolio of brands by that time. And yeah, just, you know, really operating smoothly and just continuing to do what we're doing. So totally separately, I'm going to email you because I have an, another idea. It's so good that I can't share it on the air, but I, have, I, I have an idea that yeah. I think we can partner on. And, love it. Uh, keep it a secret. Don't tell anyone. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it a secret. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you and maybe we can go somewhere with it. But uh, listen, man, it was awesome having you on totally inspirational. I love the journey. I love your background. I love your optimism. And I like how you're a little vulnerable, you know, and talking a little about that moment that you decided you're going to turn things around and you're going to make it happen, not just for yourself, but for others, both new entrepreneurs and emerging entrepreneurs, but as well as there's a massive environmental and sustainability play and you're an inspiration to us all. And I appreciate having you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. And yeah, it was a fun conversation. And before we go, just, you know, I want to give another shout out to everyone at Heal the Bay, as well as Pledgeling. They're the company that we work with that sets up our our social good aspect to the company. And they work with a number of other companies that are in the e-commerce space. So it's really cool to see companies like that making partnerships like ours and Heal the Bay happen. So I had to definitely give them a little shout out. Maybe you can give me an introduction to Pledgeling. Maybe I can have that. Actually, on. that would be, yeah, you would love to talk to them. Yeah. Definitely. And look out for my look, look, and look for my email. I'm telling you, it's, a good, it's a good one. You probably thought of it already, but I think I can help with some domain expertise. So uh, we'll be Love in it. touch very soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. Good Here's luck with everything. Watch out for the sharks. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quicken, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing team, including the smooth voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Andrew Kamika, the always-on-point associate producer Lindsay Han, who touches every aspect of this podcast, and Magic Matt Zikowski, a literal magician who works wonders behind the scenes. Learn more about our show at brandonpurposepod.com and follow our Instagram at the BOP Podcast. Learn more about our host at aaronquicken.com. Mm-hmm.